Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, there's something quite striking in that gospel reading for today. Listen again to what St. Luke recorded for us by divine inspiration. And when Jesus drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. Now that's quite an image, isn't it? So here's the city, here's Jerusalem, where Jesus had ridden through the streets on Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday happened before this. And now here's the Lord, God in the flesh, weeping, weeping over the city. So he wept over the state of its people before them. He lamented over them. And Jesus warns you today. Now, Jeremiah had wept over Jerusalem many years earlier. He knew what was happening during his time and still awaited the people within the city walls. Now that Jesus had come, Jesus looks over Jerusalem and he knows the rejection. He knows the destruction that will come upon her later. So this city of peace, Jerusalem comes from the Hebrew word for peace, would see the day when there would no longer be peace for them. And so again, Jesus said, would that you, even you, had known that on this day the things that make for peace, but now... They are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you, surround you, and hem you in on every side, and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Now, every year we hear this reading, and one advantage that we have is that we're on this side of history. We can look back on the time when Jerusalem was sieged, when the temple was destroyed. One need only read the accounts of the Jewish historian Josephus and other historians, and you can hear of the great horrors, the violence, the atrocities that would fall upon the people. It's quite something. Well, why did this happen? Well, the city was guilty of something. They did not recognize the things that make for peace. It's always easy for us to want to draw a one-to-one correlation between things that happened. You know, um, a year ago at this time, our congregation was gathering outside. It was on the the 10th of July. Uh, A hurricane went through Iowa. And so we had a big hole in our roof. And on Trinity 10, we were out gathering outside of our congregation looking over that. And there was a lot of speculation. Was God sending us a message or what was happening? We don't know, right? We don't know. But what we do know is what God does tell us. And our comfort in Christ. But there are times that God tells us that things do happen and he draws a correlation between them. This reading, God tells us that they will see destruction upon them. So we now can look back and read those accounts and we see this destruction of Jerusalem and we see that Jesus was warning the people that this was going to happen because they rejected Christ. God's judgment came upon them, and even to this day, they stand outside the kingdom of God. Now, there's a temptation for us Christians, especially in the United States, to think more of the current nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem than what God teaches us. Israel of today is not the Israel of the Old Testament. Neither is it the new Israel, because that is the church of Christ. So no amount of political talks, moving of embassies, or wishful thinking can change that fact. That epistle reading today from Romans 9 and 10 is very clear. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone, as it is written, 
Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And whoever believes in him, that is Christ, will not be put to shame. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. So Paul is telling us here in these readings, in this reading, and then even what follows in chapter 10 and before this, that this is the Jewish people and her religion. They are offended by Christ, who is the rock, the stumbling stone, or literally in Greek, a scandal to them. They stumble over him to their own eternal damnation. And unless they repent, they will perish eternally. But what we do see, however, is who are the people of God now? It's the church. And that's you, that's me. Yet Jesus cries over his church as well when she is offended by him and rejects the things that make for true peace. So the very fact that Jesus weeps over the city in Jerusalem and Luke's gospel, that should cause us to stop and take a serious look at ourselves within the Holy Church of God. Yes, we have the advantage of history, but lest we forget who we are and stumble and fall over the same Lord. So later in Luke, as Jesus was heading to the place of his crucifixion, Women are, were weeping at the sight. But Jesus, heading towards the cross, looked and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and wombs that never bore and the breasts that never cursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills cover us. And he sends these saying, Don't weep for me as I'm going to the cross. But the day will come when you will wish that the mountains will fall on you and kill you because it will be so bad. So accounts of this serve as a warning to all of us of what happens when we turn our backs to God by rejecting his word and when we turn the church into something it's not. That's evidence of the devil working in our own fallen state. When you look at the great lengths that we will go to in this world to set aside the clear word of God, so as not to offend someone or some group because we wrongly think that that will make peace or keep the peace. But then we never give thought or consideration to what offends God. So Jesus calls us to think about these things. He says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and afterward have nothing more than that they can do. But I warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has authority to cast into hell. So our lives as Christians are to be seen in this way where we know the wages of sin and we know how being stubborn and unrepentant, we shun and mock Christ and his peace because we are the people of God. And God has called us to live as his people, not using our our freedom as a cover-up for evil, but he calls us to daily crucify our fallen flesh and to rise in the new life given to us in our baptismal waters And to walk according to his commands because they are good. Jerusalem bore the name of peace, but was a hypocrite in her ways. Bearing the name of Christ in our baptisms, we don't make a confession on the one hand calling upon the name of the Lord and then go about our lives like in the Old Testament reading when it says, Behold, you trust in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal? 
and go after other gods that you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered, only to go on doing all these abominations. So it's always an interesting Sunday in the church year to hear these things. But we're called to hear what our Lord says, and we take it seriously. Because God's wrath is real, and God's wrath is righteous. So Jesus wept over Jerusalem. So we lament our sins, our unfaithfulness to him and his word, and God calls us to repent. And he calls us to fear him, not fear men, not fear things in this world. Because continue in your sin and know what your future will be. The law has promises attached to it, too. Jesus makes promises to Jerusalem. But see this as your example of what happens when Christ and his word is rejected. Now, dear Christians, the thing that makes for peace is the one who is your peace with God. Jesus is your redeemer who has shed his blood to make atonement for your sin. So peace, then, is one of those words of the atonement in the Bible. Peace with God is made by the death of Christ, who is the perfect, obedient, sinless lamb of God, the one who is our righteousness. And this is not hidden from your eyes, but rather your eyes have been opened. And your Lord shines this brightly before you. So now then, when you hear Luke's reading today and you see Jesus weeping over the city, you know where he's headed Because you see, as he cleansed the temple, and you know that he is the temple who was torn down and raised up again on the third day. You see him as the one who goes bearing the guilt of your sin to take upon the punishment you deserve. You see him as the one who weeps and doesn't simply throw up his hands in defeat and despair and go, oh, well, gave it a nice go. Let's see what else I can do. But the one who goes forth, who goes forward steadfast with his face like flint, and will cry out in agony, shedding his blood, so that God's wrath isn't turned against, isn't against you. But rather, Jesus makes peace, real peace, between you and God. So then that image that is placed before your eyes is your crucified Lord. And you see God's disposition towards you, it's seen through Christ, your mediator. And you see what makes your peace. So as terrible as Jerusalem and her fall and destruction was, you know that you have been saved from an even greater fate. So as much as the devil, as much as the world, and as much as your own fallen flesh may tempt you, as much as they may assault you, you have a clear conscience because you fix your eyes on Christ crucified and you see there's my peace, there's my righteousness. And you have his word this day, and you know him through faith as you hear his word and receive his sacraments. And this is where peace is found even now. You know, it's no coincidence that right after the words of institution, right, the pastor looks at you and says, the peace of the Lord be with you always, right? He holds before you the body and blood of Christ. Here's your peace. And what do we respond as a congregation? We say, amen. We sing it. So even though the world may be raging around you, this is the house of God where beholding your, before your eyes, you see the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And your pastor proclaims that to you. The word of God preaches that to you. And you have peace upon your lips. You have peace in your ears, peace in your tongue, peace which is yours. 
so that you know then if God is for you, then who can be against you? You know that indeed God is for you in Christ as you are baptized into his life, his death, and his resurrection. So dear Zion, Christ is no stumbling block. He's no scandal. But he's the cornerstone. The terrors, the fears, the destruction of this world, and even death are an instant. But the glory of life with your God and his saints, that's eternal. So Jesus wept over Jerusalem. God wept over Jerusalem. But that's the same God who says your sin is forgiven. Who says, peace be with you, dear brother. So what a great day of joy then to hear this voice of your Lord speaking and know what you have with him. Because yours is more than just some earthly city or nation in this world that can easily be here one day and gone the next. You have an eternal inheritance. You will rise from your graves and you will live in the new creation that will never be attacked, that will never be destroyed. That's what Jesus promises you as you gather here and behold your Lord. So lift up your eyes and see what awaits you as you walk through this fallen world. Because the gaze of the Christian is always on the horizon. Look beyond the ashes of this world which come to an end and see in the distance the eternal city of God. You know what the Lord will prepare for you. St. John recorded that for you in his revelation from God. He wrote, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So what a day that will be, dear people of God. A day where there is no more weeping, only rejoicing. Eternal life. So be encouraged. Hang on to these words. See that place is yours, for you are the Lord's own, and he looks at you this day, and he says, all is finished. Be at peace, now and forever. Amen. We stand to sing the offertory. <laughs>